Can we just, I'd like to pray at, right at the beginning. So do that. Father, thank you for all that you are. Thank you for your, your word. Thank you for your grace and mercy and kindness toward us. Imperfect people, Lord, just uh, here gathered to worship you, learn more from you, and learn how to live a life that pleases you. God. Father, I pray for this time. I pray that you bless it, that you speak to and through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So, we're continuing uh, our Everyday Wisdom series, and looking this morning, uh, well, throughout the series, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs to arm ourselves uh, with, with golden nuggets of truth and guidance. And today, I was, I was able to select, so J Pastor JP had given me maybe a month and a half ago, a bunch of the Proverbs that already weren't chosen by, by Brian, Pastor Brian himself. And the one that stood out to me um, was, was this morning. Start a child off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And I said, wow, this is, man, if I've been wanting to preach this uh, for a while, being the youth pastor here. So today's topic is wisdom for parents. If you're not a parent or you don't plan to be a parent, don't worry. This is not a time to sneak out and say, well, this one's not for me. This, uh, I, I do want to speak to you this morning as well. Um, so, me, I, I'm a dad. I have two boys, Isaiah and Gabriel. Uh, Isaiah's six and a half. Gabriel's actually going to be five on Tuesday. Uh, and I love being what they call me, their dada, right? Dada. Uh, I don't get it right all the time. I mess up. I'm not, I'm not perfect dad. Uh, and I do worry all the time about my kids' safety and their future and their, their, uh, kids, uh, their, their future decisions and so on. I'm also the youth pastor here at, at, at uh, Free Christian Church. I work with 6th to 12th graders. I hear their stories, and I minister, them, minister to them where they're at. But also, I'm a, I'm a partner for parents here at Free Christian Church. So please connect with me about your student, about your child, and a uh, little bit of a plug. Get on the email list so that I can bombard you with some really cool resources, videos, and communication with regards to your students and what's going on. So, kind of easing my way into this uh, before we get to the heart of this all, because I, I got two, two more disclaimers for you, right? Well, I got two disclaimers. Disclaimer number one is that this, this verse, this um, proverb, I want to get this straight off the bat. It is not a promise. It's not a promise. It's a principle. Uh, and I, I, the, this, it's important to understand this because I've worked with so many parents throughout the years here at Free Christian Church and in Lawrence, Massachusetts, who have, when I was youth pastor there, who have beaten themselves up for not starting their child off in the way that they should go. And they blame themselves constantly for their kid, uh, when their kids don't follow the Christian path, or they, they abandon their faith, or they don't, you know, they don't return home, kind of like the prodigal son. And they hold on to this like a promise, and they say, you know, I, I, those that, that, that did raise their kids in the right way, right, they started them off on the right way they should go, pointing them toward Jesus, living out the gospel, they say, well, my kid is he's wayward now. He's gone, you know, he's off to college, she's off to college, and they're living a lifestyle that is not pleasing to the Lord, but I'm still holding on to this promise. And then they return home and nothing happens, and they, they beat themselves up, like, what did I do wrong? What did I, what did I, where, where did I, um, where, uh, where did I mess up in raising my child? 
And here's a couple of truths. Truth number one is a godly home does not guarantee a godly child. A godly home does not guarantee a godly child. I know plenty, I've been a youth pastor for, I think it's over 14 years now, and I know plenty of former students of mine who grew up in healthy Christian households, good youth ministries, and only to completely depart from their faith and even resent it and reject it further down the road. Um, and again, it's important to understand this, don't, like, because I, so many parents have beaten themselves up and said, where did I go wrong? Don't, don't do that. God himself created the Garden of Eden, perfect place, perfect, and Adam and Eve still messed up. He gave them instruction, just one simple, one simple rule, one simple thing to live by, one simple thing not to do, to be careful about, and they messed that up. So, don't beat yourself up over it. And we'll continue. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a few. And truth number two is, the flip side of that, is an ungodly home does not guarantee an ungodly child. I grew up with, uh, uh, my father was a heroin addict growing up. He was a drug addict and, and an alcoholic. And it was uh, just a messed up, messed up upbringing um, in, in, in my household. And I was so afraid of my father growing up. I couldn't even joke around with him. Without, without him finding a way to get uh, offended and um, taking matters into his own hands. Um, yet here I am. Um, I've dedicated my life to God. I've in full-time ministry for Jesus. And there's plenty of other stories of people like that as well. Some of my own friends, they didn't grow up in Christian godly households, but they're serving the Lord boldly. So a godly home doesn't guarantee a godly ch uh, child or adult and an ungodly home doesn't guarantee an ungodly child yet. So maybe you're wondering, so then why? What is the point of this then, right? Parenting still matters. It still matters. The undisputed champions of when it comes to the influence in a child's life is parents. Undisputed. It doesn't matter. Like they might have a great coach, might have a good youth pastor, counselor, leaders, mentors, and all these things. But the undisputed champs are you, the parents. So we have to remember that this, is a, this, this parable is important for us because we are responsible for how we raise our children. We're responsible for that. But we are not responsible for how they turn out. Because yes, your students, your child, your son, your daughter does have to make decisions at some point. And they will be uh, responsible for those choices. They will be held accountable for those choices as well. But our parenting, our training them up, our starting our children off is our responsibility as parents. So that's a pretty long disclaimer. Uh, this final disclaimer is we're, I'm not here to go over child discipline techniques or behavioral modification type practices and all these things. I just simply am going to ask three questions this morning that will help all of us as parents and other adults in this room Focus on maximizing our God-given responsibility, our God-given influence, and our God-given privilege in starting the children off. So, how do we start them off? How, how do we do this? Here's the three questions. Question number one is, what are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? What are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? Uh, about two and a half to three months ago, 
I was home with the boys, just, just me and the boys, and Gigi took the night off. She, she went out. Um, uh, she likes to go to TJ Maxx a, a lot, and um, that's, that's her therapy, Target and TJ Maxx. And so she, she went out, and I'm with the boys. I brought work home. I brought like some side work home. And I was just kind of frustrated, a little bit irritated that day. And Gabriel, my youngest, is going to be five. He was very disrespectful, he, and he ended up hitting his brother, so I sat him down on timeout. I'm sitting down, meanwhile, on the dinner table, and I have my laptop on, and I'm working on some stuff. Um, I'm going to pause there, because I had been working, like, every night, like, just doing some side stuff and, and everything, and one day, we were driving in the car, and Gigi and I uh, were explaining to the kids, hey, Daddy's going to be working, you know, and so they asked the questions. Dad's going to be working really hard late at night, so Mama's going to put you guys down to bed every night. She's going to she's gonna um, read the bedtime stories, put on the armor of God, all these things, pray with you. And they just kept asking questions. Why, why, why? And so we said, well, guys, don't you want a house? Don't you want your own house? We live in an apartment right now. Don't you want your own house with your own backyard and like a tree in the backyard? Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. All right. This is why daddy's working so hard. So fast forward back to, uh, I'm sitting at the table and, and Gabriel's on timeout. Um, I'm just having, I'm not having a good, a good day. Gabriel's crying in timeout and Isaiah, because I raised my voice, just being transparent here, um, was a little bit, you know, a little shy with me at the, at the time. So I'm sitting at the computer, at the laptop, and I kid you not, um, Isaiah gets up from from the chair sitting in front of me, and he walks over to me, standing next to me as I'm facing the, the, the laptop. So he's standing right here, and this is exactly what he does. Dada, why do we need a house? And my, as I'm trying to hold back tears, because I know what this means uh, at that moment, and I just looked at him, and my eyes are just like, I can, I, everything's getting foggy for me. And I just took a deep breath and I closed the laptop and I said, what do you want to play, buddy? What do you want to do right now? And I said, Gabriel, come on a timeout. And I held both their hands and I told them how much I loved them. And I said, I'm sorry for, I'm sorry. I've been really busy. I haven't given you guys any attention today. And that really struck me because that question, why do we need a house? I just want you right now. I don't want the backyard trees. I might say that down the road. I don't want all these things. I don't want all these awesome, cool things. I just want you, Daddy. I want your time. And that, that was like, hit me in the gut so hard. And I, man, the rest of the night was just us playing together and having a good time. And when Gigi came, it's the first thing I told her. She started crying. We're both crying. I said, I got I to gotta take, the, take the, uh, my foot off the gas pedal here, and I got to prioritize the, uh, the main thing here. It reminded me of, the, of that song, Cats in the Cradle. Oh. A lot of us know, are familiar with that song. Um, if you don't, you should really listen to it. You might, you might cry your eyes out. But I, re I, rem I remember my, my dad. So Gigi and I had a conversation, and she said, wow, was it ever like that with your dad? Like, did you, did you always say, Dad, play with me, play with me, play with me? And here's, and here's the truth. I said, I never asked my dad to play with me because I knew my dad didn't play with me. Just, just doesn't do that, right? Just 
doesn't, just doesn't do that. So at dinner, sit on the couch, watch TV. TV watch, ends up watching him because he, he's out. Do not dare interrupt that time with that. And so I, I started thinking, and I'm like, man, it's just like the song. You know, the, the, in the song, the, the, a child wants to be, says, I want to be just like you, Dad. And the dad is such a busy person, always away and, and trying to work, busy. And, and the kid is like, hey, you got me this ball. Let's play. And he said, nah, maybe, maybe, maybe later. But the, kid, the kids don't know. They don't know any better. So they're like, ah, that's fine. I want to be just like you, Dad. And the song goes on. And when the son is after college and he has a career, the dad now wants to spend time with his son. He calls, says, hey, can we meet up? Can we talk? And the son says, ah, not right now, Dad. I, I'm busy. Kids got the flu, and, and I'm really busy. But hey, thanks for calling. And so we've got to be real careful. And I'm, I, I, again, I'm preaching to myself because this happened to me. You know, and, and we've got to be real careful with, with what, where are we investing our time? Where are you investing your time? And I realize that this is challenging when your kids get older. Trust me, I'm a youth minister. I know that this is cha challenging because it's like, well, Javi, it sure doesn't seem like my kids want to spend time with me. It doesn't, if, if they want to spend time with me, they're doing a horrible job of showing me that, of communicating that with me. And, and I know that there sometimes seems to be a, a bit of a disconnect between parents and their kids because we often, we like to do this, and it's true, we like to compare our upbringing with theirs. And, and we do this to show just how easy they have it. Just like when our parents told us, right, I had to walk to school, barefoot in the snow with an 80-pound backpack, right, all this stuff, and then walk back and all these things. And, and they explained to us how hard they had it. We had it rougher. Your generation is a bunch of emotional marshmallows. How did, how did we like that when our parents told us? I know I didn't like it. It felt like my problems and my moments of depression and all these things that I was struggling with didn't matter. It's like, please, that is nothing. That's, the, that's what we sometimes communicate. That's what my family, my parents communicated to me. It told me that I was, it was communicating to me that I was weak for not handling my own issues. You bottle it up. All right. I'll just bottle, I'll just bottle it up. Bottle it up. And we got to remember that what kids do not talk out, they will act out. What they don't talk out, they will act out. When we do this, we're creating a separation, this distance between us and them. We're drawing kind of like this line in the sand. We, we're communicating, look, you and I are different. And we emphasize those differences. But what we got to do is we got to be uh, finding the similarities, finding those similarities. And there are differences. Yes, we can say, well, uh, there was bullying when I was in school. You're, so you've got to deal with your bullying. And it is different. And it might even be worse these days. Because we were bullied in school whenever we'd show up at school and we'd handle in recess or, or all these things. Now this is ongoing. Now it's everywhere. Now one person could get 20, 30, 40, 50 kids in the same school against you. And it's ongoing. And pictures are posted and words are out there and it's permanent in the internet and social media. When I was a kid, you know, when, yeah, we had fire drills and all this stuff, and that was, hey, fire drills when I was a kid, I don't know about everybody else, but those were fun. I look forward to those things. It's a little bit of time out of the classroom. You get in a big yellow school bus. I was always the kid, because I was always, uh, um, some people call
call it overweight, I could say strong. So I was always the strong <laughs> kid. So I was always in the back, you know, helping the kids jump out, right? Helping them jump out. But nowadays, kids don't just have fire drills, they have bomb drills, shooter drills. And, and they're hearing all this stuff in the news about another, you know, another terrorist attack, another school incident. And so, yeah, you know what? You're right that it is different, and it just, it might just be worse in some areas. It, it, it just might be. So find the similarities and talk about it with your students and learn from them. Do you know why kid, most kids gravitate toward certain people? Because they seek similarities. They seek something that they can relate to or someone that they can relate to. So let's not push them away. Yeah, we are different, but don't lead with that. Seek out the similarities. What are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? The second question is, what are you doing to in advance your child's relationship with God? What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? We work so hard to secure a good future for our kids. This good future that we envision includes things like good grades, extracurricular activities, staying out of trouble, scholarships, wise choices, a great school, a great career, awesome spouse, agreeable spouse, uh, three kids, a big house, and a partridge in a pear tree, right? Or, or we just say, you know what? I just want my kids to be happy. I just want them to be happy, happy. But I gotta, I gotta push you a little further, parents, and I push myself too. Happiness is a fleeting moment. Happiness depends on circumstances. Happiness is inconsistent. I want my kids, and we should want our kids to have joy, pure joy, because joy is an attitude. Joy defines circumstances. Joy in the Lord, it's constant. It's forever. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, there's a section in the Bible that's called the Shema, which, which means it's kind of like a prayer. It's like listen and obey. Uh, so basically, basically listen and put it into practice. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. And it's a powerful responsibility that, that, that we have. Too often, we, we resort to the, the typical parent prayer. Lord, give me patience. I'm about to snap. What am I doing wrong? Why are they such animals? <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Please turn this water into wine, Lord. <laughs> but the Shema is telling us, the Deuteronomy is telling us that we've got to point them toward Jesus at all times. When we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we sit at home at all times. It's saying, don't forget the main thing, and the main thing is and should always be Jesus. Live out the gospel before them. Learn to apologize sometimes to your kids. Listen, it's, I know it's not easy. I mean, you've seen my kids. You know it's not easy, right? Encourage them. Live, live the gospel out before them and encourage them to do the same. 
You have a partner in parenting. We as parents, we just need to know, we just need to make sure that we are connected to the vine, connected to Jesus. If we're not, then all our efforts are in vain. You have a partner in parenting, and that's Jesus. What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? I know that we push them to have great careers and all this, all this stuff that I rattled off, but I don't, I don't mean to be morbid or, or, or be a, a Debbie Downer here this morning, but listen, there's, a, there's a, a, a day when you're born and we all have an expiration date. We, some of us don't know, well, we don't know what it is, right? Um, that's just the truth. As Pastor Mir would always said, the death rate, the mortality rate is 100%. If you are born, you are going to die. That's just, that's just the truth. So we've got to emphasize to our children, look, that little dash at somebody's, you know, um, when you go to a funeral, when you go to a wake, or when you go to a cemetery, that little dash is meaningful, right? We sometimes focus the year they're born, the year that they die. But that line across all those years that you have lived, that's important. Do you want somebody, you can communicate this, this is for free, communicate this with your kids and say, do you want somebody at your obituary to, to say, you know, that, that hobby, man, he was a good mathematician. He, like you give him any problem and he can solve it. Man, he, that, that hobby was, a, what an engineer. What a scientist. Or do you want somebody to share at your obituary, wow, how he loved the Lord. He led my, he led my son. He led me to the Lord, right? Man, what an example of Jesus here on earth. Wow. There are some things that are eternal. Choices like that, how you live your life, before God, those things are eternal. Communicate that with your children. And the last question that I have is, what are you doing to uh, influence your child's relationship with people outside your home? Again, what are you doing to influence your child's relationship with people outside your home? Author and speaker Josh Shipp says that every kid, every kid is one caring adult from being a success story. And this is where I'm going to speak to those of you who are not parents, are not yet parents, or don't want to be parents at all. And I'm going to speak for maybe some parents, but I'm going to speak for me. We need your help. Maybe some parents don't want to admit that or they don't know it, but we need your help. We're not asking you to be a parent. We're just asking you to be a person who takes an interest in our kids. From, those, from, from people that greet our kids in the church to whenever we have picnics to when they run by you to when you know, you're serving coffee, you're having a conversation with somebody, to, to the uh, children's ministers downstairs, we need your help. We are asking you to be a person who cares and loves our kids and shows it to them. Take an interest in them. Asking you to be people who also won't judge us for not being perfect parents. I remember when the gorilla died in the Cincinnati Zoo. Harambe, I believe his name was. Basically, he was shot by a zookeeper because a three-year-old fell into the enclosure, the gorilla enclosure. And there's a, there's a video on there, and the, people were super upset because the gorilla apparently was trying to protect the child, but the child was, was hurt and just dragged the child and was like looking around nervous. And so a zookeeper uh, put, the, put the gorilla down. Everyone, just about everyone on the internet was crying for the gorilla, was saying free Harambe, free Harambe, and Harambe rest in peace, and then judging the mom for being a bad parent. 
and it was nasty. If you're on social media and you remember that, it was nasty. And all I could think about was, man, every, everybody is a parenting expert until they become a parent, right? Everyone is an expert at parenting until they become a parent. Listen, if I fell into, if you fell into that gorilla enclosure, you would be like, is somebody going to shoot this gorilla? Is somebody going to shoot him already? Because he's looking at me. Just because he's looking at me. Somebody put this gorilla down. But people were judging the mom because, because the kid, listen, and we, 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 you know this, two seconds, two seconds is what it takes for your kid to be at the top of a tree. I'm exaggerating, of course, right? But two seconds is all it takes. That's it. So all I'm, we're asking you for help. We need your help. Help us. Why? Why is it such a big deal? Because it's, it, it, we have the main influence at home, but they're also influenced everywhere they go. They are bombarded with billboards and messages, and, and they have devices in their pockets that like we didn't have when we were kids. And if, it, if we wanted to get like 25% of that information, we had to jump through hoops to try to find it or purchase things. We need your help. Why? Because I'll throw some statistics at you. 3.2 million kids are bullied every year. At age 11, kids are exposed to, as early as age 11, kids are exposed to pornography. 90% of adults, adult addicts, whether it's alcohol or drugs, began before the age of 18. And suicide is the second leading cause of death of students as early as the age of 15. So parents, plug your kids in to uh, another adult who loves them and know who the influencers are in their lives. And folks, we need your help. From, the, eight, from the, the day that a child is born to when he or she becomes 18, when they go off to college or, or the, the, Marine, the, uh, the um, military, or they be, enter the workforce, or they're out of the house with a, with a job, there are 936 weeks. 936 weeks from the age of zero, age zero to age 18. A nine-year-old, half of that, 468 weeks. How many of you know a 16-year-old by show of hands? Just know a 16-year-old. So these marbles represent one week. This is what we have left before they're 18. This is, and as this is not to be down on anybody or, or, be, uh, or you know, be, for people to be sad, but more to maximize, maximize the time that you have for maximizing your influence in the life of a child. By the time they're 18, it's just uh, uh, 17, it's just half of that. Maximize your time with your students. My youngest son, Gabriel, again, we five on Tuesday, I've lost 260 marbles. Yes, I've lost my marbles. That's right. Um, I've lost 260 of those 936, and I think and that's my youngest. Okay. And I was as I was preparing this, I said, "Wow, 260 gone. I lost those." And I say, "You know what? I we've got to look at it as 260 marbles that I've invested. 260 weeks that I've invested in my child." And, and not always getting it right, not always getting it right, but working hard toward pointing them toward Jesus, toward starting him off on the way he should go. What are you doing to influence your child's relationship with the people outside your home? And just wrapping up, if, listen, if this message, message has been a bit of a downer for you this morning, have hope. Though this parable is not a promise, it's a principle, 
It's not a promise that your son or daughter will return home or, or, or finally turn to Jesus or return to Jesus. Or, or it's not a promise that your broken relationship with him or her will be restored. There is a promise for you. There is. That promise of the presence of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The promise that he will never leave nor forsake you. The unconditional love that he has and will continue to have for you and your children. So don't regret the past. Cling to Jesus. Move forward with Jesus. To the one who loves your kids more than you will ever love your kids. So pray for restoration. Believe in it. Pray for your kids' transformation. And never forget that you'll always be their parent. And that you have a partner in parenting. And that is Jesus. God bless you.